Good morning and welcome to the new media show. How are you, Rob? Doing doing great, Todd. Except for our, our technical challenge that we had getting into FireTalk, getting that to work, you had no problem with it. For some reason, my computer was choking on it. Yeah, I, and what's weird is my first foray into this was at right at the top of the hour and saying go live. I hadn't done any test. I really didn't know what to expect, but anyway, it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, well, we're finally here. Uh, it's an unusual day for us anyway because we don't usually do it on Sundays. Yeah, I'm I'm here in uh, here in Vegas. Yeah, a little I'm sorry, Todd. That's yeah, okay. A little business this week. <laughs> so a little dry mouth. I think I drank a little bit too much last night. So that'll do it. Yes, it will. So I've got a bottle of water or two mm. here <laughs> prepared. But uh, not a lot in the news this week. But there was a couple of things that have come out. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so always a few not, things. Yeah. yeah, you see this. Uh, um, you see this uh, announcement on Stitcher. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I actually I talked to those guys about this topic many times over the years. So Todd and I talked about it. Well, uh, maybe we ought to tell people what they've announced. Well, they've announced that they're going to be. A, I don't know if this is a commonly used term, but a pass-through platform. So. They're not going to rehost anymore. And my comment on that one was there's a few other platforms that I'd like to uh, have follow that path. So the question then becomes, okay, so they're not going to rehost. So the monetization stuff for, I guess the only way they're going to monetize is with probably with the show's part of uh, mid-roll and stuff. They're not going to monetize because if they're just pulling the media file that tells me that they're not going to drop any ads in it well i think that the the ad insertion can be done outside of stitcher so it's not like mm. they can't monetize it um through through hosting of shows on an external hosting platform which is you know it's going to go to all platforms that are passed through so it just depends on if they are thinking monetization directly from stitcher or is this Stitcher, just another area that they can control the distribution and maybe even start playing around. So you think about combining Howl with Stitcher. Um, maybe they start offering a premium um, kind of channel through Stitcher at some point. Right. Well, one thing's for sure is it lowers their cost because they don't have to download for bandwidth. Code. Yeah, no bandwidth yeah. cost. Yeah. That's yeah. always been the, the the real downside of them rehosting content, as as well as with Google Play and Stitch and 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 Spotify rehosting, is that they're going to end up paying all the bandwidth for it. So, yep. you know, it's for Google that's not a big deal, but yeah, for but Stitcher that probably is a pretty healthy chunk of cash every month. Yeah, and if they they grow and become more popular, it's just going to be a bigger and bigger bill. You know. Yeah. Um I think now it's scalable and they can they can monetize through premium content as well as uh through ad ad delivery platforms that uh can do it across the board not just the the Stitcher. Oh, so. I see. Yeah. So that's if they're abandoning Stitcher's internal stuff, then it sounds like they 
they may still monetize through more probably display and mm -hmm. you know that kind of stuff uh that probably isn't going to go away but i would say that most of that would probably be in concert with any kind of um audio advertising mm -hmm. would be my guess i think this is great news for uh for podcasters too because you don't have to worry about audio quality the audio quality the audience is going to get is what you encode at yep so i think and this also is good. the stats are going to be with your hosting platform yep which they kind of were before but maybe not at the the detail level that mm -hmm. i think you and others would like to have on what's happening on 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 stitcher as well so what um I, mean, I sent an email over to Angela and I said, hey, I hit up on this. And uh, he was like, whoa, I need to go look and see what, because, you know, up to this point, we've been looking for a signal that comes from them that they basically ping us yep. when something happens. So we're going to have to look and see how it looks now so we can make sure we can account for it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, because it may actually give us more data. It could. Um, yeah, well, it yeah. will. Yeah. Because if it's just doing a head head call or a ping against that 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 particular media file, that's that's a very limited set of data that right. Stitcher was giving the hosting platform. They had the ability for a long time to pull from the uh, original content, so this is yeah, that's always um, been there. Yeah, it's just that they've only turned it on for special partners that griped about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they also did podcasters that asked. They weren't. They were pretty yeah. liberal and letting well, I that think go. What they, so. what, what they found is over the years, um, they just got tired of fighting it, you know. And there really wasn't a, a strong justification for them to continue doing it, um, unless they were going to get into the ad insertion business, which they kind of started to do, but. Mm -hmm. They never really did true mid-roll insertions or anything like that. It was all kind of like pre-roll and between tracks. And they tried to keep some some level of separation, but um, it wasn't enough to appease many in the industry that didn't like what they were doing. Right. Well, I, I think it's a smart move on their part. And number one, lower cost. Number two, it's overall should be a better experience i think for most listeners as well so that's yeah good. it's good better like like, like you said at the outset i think that the big thing is audio quality right for folks like us you know what it's going to do is um you know our bandwidth bill is going to go up three and a half percent because before <laughs> <laughs> they were pulling that media and then once it was off us there was no overhead on us so uh, from that perspective, it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's kind of a double-edged sword for hosts, right? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's the same thing with, you know, Google play and Spotify and, and, and the our radio folks are that way too. They, they, they rehost. So it's, you know, what can I say? I mean, a lot of those big companies, like that's, that's their, that's their programmatic back end to do that. They didn't really build it to be a pass-through. So this has taken some development time for them to roll it across all of the all the shows that 
is on Stitcher, which I'm not sure how many shows actually are on Stitcher. I don't know. Have you ever heard a number? I, no. Um, I know I it's a subset. I submit uh, my new over there. It took about a day to get approved. So there's someone manning the switch now. So they're, you know, they're actively onboarding shows. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure who that is. That would be a good, good follow-up question to ask, and I can I can do that here this next week. So, but anyway, that's what's going on with Stitcher, and yeah, it's a it's a good thing. So, what else have you heard in the space? Anything, Rob? Well, there's there's been a few articles that have popped up um, <laughs> that have continued this this kind of weird kind of perception of reality um in the podcasting space and uh so that that stuff keeps popping up i think that, that there was a couple articles this week that came up and i think uh, uh, uh malcolm gladwell had a nice article that came out talking about podcasting and what he was doing with it and i was i was actually pretty impressed with that article i thought it was pretty insightful and so there's some good good coverage that's out there too in the podcasting space, but it's it seems like it's a little few and far between. Yeah, or it was Mel- Yeah, there was one over all access that yeah. uh, followed up on some stat stuff um, that he kind of weighed in on what we had told him about uh, some of the measurement stuff, and then there was uh, um, a follow up too. Well, he actually talked about the Omni Group in there announcement and he kind of concluded that they were doing the same thing we're doing and partial measurements were active plays. So I and know there's t- been no, no follow-up from the Omni folks. No, nothing. They have not. They've kind of, they kind of went back in their shell. And so, yeah, just put it on the record. We did invite them to come on and they, yep. I mean, it's an open door Anytime that they want to come in and talk about this stuff, uh, I, I think it's good good for the industry and it's good for them to yeah. to get that clarified. Uh, it'd be great to see them step forward like that. And I'd lo- love to have Sean Carr on the show too. So, Sean, if you're listening to this, um, let's let's get you on sometime and we can talk about dynamic ad insertion and the stuff that you're doing down there. We'd love to get the word out about it. So. I think they have resigned themselves not to talk to people like us. They're only going to talk to newspaper people where they can control the message. So it's or partially well, control sure the why, message. I, I'm not so sure why they need to be concerned about that. Um, unless they're doing something a little, you know, not quite on the up and up. I don't know. I mean, unless no, there's some so. trade secret stuff going on. But, well, that's, but it just seems like... Well, yeah. that's what he he treated the it's way he treated the information when I talked to him at I don't know NAB I think he said yeah, it was yeah. their information was trade secret and they didn't want to share too much yeah and I think it you know this this API direction as as a replacement for RSS uh, is something that needs to get I mean if it's something that's real and there's a good reason to do it. Uh, we need to get it out in the industry because it's uh, it, it has to be supported by more than just one player for it to find any traction. 
if there are some advantages to moving beyond RSS, I want to hear about them. Yeah, but me too. I'm not sure that there really is. I mean, um, and if Apple's not going to support it, it's really a mute conversation. Yeah. So, Rob, we put out a, a pretty extensive article um, about a week. Eh, it was, I think it was on Monday. And um, it's entitled our podcast. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Our podcast downloaded or streamed. And I don't know if you've read the article or not. No. Um, I think maybe I, I came across it at one point. But so, you know, we, I, you know, the, the question that keeps getting asked is, you know, where's, where's the trend line? Are we, um, um, are more people moving to active place or are people still downloading? And, um, what we determined that right now today, and Angela actually had to make an update because I even questioned Angela's numbers initially when he put this up, but. Uh, he made some clarifications, but we've determined that 60% of podcasts today are downloaded for playback on demand. And so they're, they're downloaded first before they're played back. 60%. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, mobile apps, um, you know, largely because most people that are using a podcast app, um, which account for about 71.6% of, of podcast downloads. They, um, they are uh, designed to, to download. So there's, you know, there's very few podcast apps. For, well, actually, there's no, that I, at least I know of, the bulk, the, you know, the bulk of podcast apps are, are designed to download. Now, there's, you know, we're tracking like 30 mobile applications uh, podcast iOS, uh, Stitcher for Android and iOS, Pocket Cast, uh, Overcast, Downcast, all these apps, um, as well as apps for Windows Mobile, BlackBerry, and other niche mobile hardware are really designed to, you know, once you're subscribed, they download. Um, I was a little bit worried. I was, I saw one instance where I subscribed to something via the podcast iOS app and the uh, media file didn't start immediately downloading. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And it was my own mistake. I was um, um, actually not on Wi-Fi, so it didn't automatically start to download. But, you know, desktop browsers have dropped off dramatically with the um, in-page stream plays and play on demand for about account for about 10.7 percent of stream plays and and downloads so typically when you're in a web browser though when you click play that media file very quickly um, gets uh, downloaded but um, mobile browsers and tv apps only account for about 4.6 of podcast stream plays but um, you know, overall, if you want to just, you know, you know, kind of look at the, the big picture and what's going on between, you know, if you want to do a comparison, how much is actively played and how much is downloaded, it's, it's a 60-40 split, with, you know, with some, you know, margin there, two, uh, 2 or 3% either way. 
So you've seen a trend line there. If you look over, you know, some some past data, uh, has that that active play number been increasing over the last couple of years, or can you see that? I think the I think the medium is still um, largely an on-demand medium. I, I you know, I and again, this is the first time we've really. I, you know, I really wanted. Um, so when you say on on demand, that can apply stream or download. What what's okay? The, well, okay, download on demand. Okay, down download to playback. Downloaded, yeah, downloaded play. playback. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I guess the term I'm liking like to use right now is active playback. Is when someone has not downloaded the file immediately. Yeah, you know the podcast iOS app. You can set the settings on a show by show basis to not download new episodes. I know that Ray Ortega, he doesn't allow the podcast iOS app to download new episodes. You know his behavior is he's on Wi-Fi all the time. He's listening when he has a connection, so he uses the podcast iOS app in a play situation or active you know, an active play. Yeah. He's going to stream it of sorts. Right. right. He's going to click the play button and that show's going to start playing. It's not going right. to be a download right. and then click play. Yeah. Right. But the m- majority of those, you know, if you look at the, and what we also looked at is the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So we looked at the first 24 hours of a show being released and we looked at the percentage of, um, what was consuming that media file in the first 24 hours? Because you would think if you have a browser, I mean, not a browser, if you have a high percentage of podcast apps, they're downloading, they're get, grabbing that file in the first 24 hours, you can almostly assume that was a download. Mm-hmm. And actually, believe it or not, um, typically within minutes of a show release, um, you see this the apps come in hot and heavy and start grabbing that file and pulling it down. So, and not even, you know, the 24 hour period is a wide period, but but the most of these apps are running in the background and actively looking for Mm -hmm. new episodes. Yeah. And if you're on Wi-Fi, most of them will download the media file immediately. You don't even know it. It's just grabbing it and pulling it. So Todd, that, that implies to me that this this medium is still predominantly a subscribe and auto download oh, medium. Absolutely, it's, absolutely. It's, it's not this what what I think many in that are new to the industry want to think this medium is, which is you know a just click play type of you know on demand radio type experience. Right. Uh, which means that s- subscriptions are still the the core of this medium and if you look at the grand total you know if you you know if we don't break out streams and active plays and downloaded media files Mm -hmm. um 85 percent of the consumption happening space is is or what is moving that media file is a podcast app so when you when you when you think about that, that eighty five percent of the content being and this is globally, we looked at you know thirty five thousand plus shows, um, one hundred fifty one hundred and seventy million plus downloads for a month 
um, you're talking about a um, 85% being of this media is being consumed by a podcast app. So that is a number the, the radio folks don't want to hear. Yeah. Well, Todd, I do have to say, you know, if I look at the usage patterns on, on Spreaker, uh, which were, were a little heavier on the streaming side, I, I do see more of an equal balance in consumption um, on the on-demand streaming side versus the download side. And it could be just the, the orientation of the, of the creator right. that, that, that doesn't lean as hard on the download side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see because you guys are, you know, you're predominantly your initial creation is live. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I would say that a lot of people that 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 come to Spreaker think of it as a live broadcasting medium or mm-hmm. webcasting medium, um, and that's what makes it a little bit of a different dynamic. Is that if if you're coming at it from a, a live perspective, or you're coming at it um, from that kind of an orientation your audience tends to be attracted to what you're emphasizing, right? Because I've seen that pattern on, on Spreaker, and it's really been interesting because then when I talk to you, it feels like that the medium is more on the download side. Um, but when I look at Spreaker's number, it's heavier towards the streaming side, which um, there's still downloads, but the downloads is actually less than the streams generally. Mm-hmm. But it's not less by a huge amount. It's just less by maybe ten or fifteen percent. Right. Um, so it's it's kind of a. I, I don't really understand yet why that that differentiation is happening in this medium. But but I think it just depends on the orientation of the content creator. If the content creator starts as a live program, and then maybe they add downloads and maybe they're, they're not getting their show into all of the download platforms. Maybe they're not getting it into Stitcher and they're not getting into Google play because they don't know how to do it or they just haven't done it yet. And they're predominantly building their audience as a, as a live show or an, even an on demand, just click play show. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- they never even really emphasize the whole download piece in the podcasting model. Uh, I think that happens a lot too. You know, and you know, one thing I wanted to emphasize here is that, you know, podcast apps can, just like we talked about here a few minutes ago about how Ray is doing a stream play or on, you know, active play. Um, So they can do that. Um, You know, stream play is identical to in-page stream plays found in web browsers. You know, it, it looks about the same. Um, again, some of what we found is that um, those cases occur for podcasts that are not subscribed to, but are either bookmarked, starred, or were recently discovered by mm-hmm. a listener. So a lot of that active playing is because people are discovering and doing a, a sample before they subscribe. Mm-hmm. But um, you know what we really do see is the stream plays or active plays such as web browsers and smart TV applications, have a longer 24 to 72, 96-hour window of consumption. And um, so that kind of makes sense if you think about it. People are coming to a website and and looking at it. And there's a chart that he put on there, and it just shows um, basically 
how fat and then you, it's just a you know let's start up here real high 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 and then it bottom lines uh, where the two streams and downloads almost you know they almost marry up and match um so you know we spent actually about two weeks uh getting this data together and crunching it and uh, not two weeks of total time but it took us about two weeks to get all the language and make sure that we double check the numbers here because i was you know this conversation keeps coming up and i wanted to you know talk about it but i, I really think it's and i'd be curious to see if, if rob walsh or someone would can come out and give me their numbers if they're able to to extrapolate their data too mm -hmm. but um i really think that we still are pretty much a download on demand media space and i think it's because yeah what do we do we tell our listeners go subscribe in itunes yeah go subscribe on ios mm -hmm. go go grab a podcast app and yeah that's I, where think I agree with you todd i think it's driven by what the content creator prioritizes and what they promote to their audience and and if if they're they're promoting a a platform for consumption that's predominantly a subscribe and download medium or platform then that's that's what their audience is going to be built on you know it yeah. it's just the the you know if a if a content creator on Spreaker creates a show on Spreaker and submits it to iHeartRadio um they're going to be an on demand non download show because yep iHeartRadio really doesn't support downloads so you know it's that's that's what's going on right now it, and I try and encourage all these shows to get into all these other downloadable platforms. Um, but for some reason, those shows don't get a lot of traction over there. Some, for some reason, I have no idea. What we're also seeing, too, is some interesting trends in our podcast radio product. Um, yeah, because you did a deal with Stream Guys, right? Right. Yeah. And we're seeing some shows having some wild success. I mean cannot believe it's success in yeah i have some network. shows too that are doing doing well as live shows yeah yeah and you know it's in a loop so it's our last three three new episodes um where they consistently have a hundred people oh. actively listening so are they they're they're basically archive shows that are being looped is that what you're saying they're being looped, yeah so you know okay. if you have consistently a hundred people listening to you know, that adds up, you know, they come in and listen for an hour and bounce out and, you know, come back a few days later when there's a new episode and listen for another hour. Um, but you know, there's no guarantee they're going to get the newest episode. They're going to get just whatever's playing, whatever's playing. Yeah. But when, if you have those, you know, we're, I was actually really surprised. Um, my show, um, is not getting those types of numbers because I'm watching my numbers too. But yeah, you know, on peak uh, business hours from the nine to five when people are in the cubes, um, you know, I've seen as many as maybe thirty or forty um, from a in and, and that's you know as if that's thirty or forty people every day yeah. um, that I think I'm getting my money's worth out. It's just another way for them to consume the media, yeah. but I'm not necessarily promoting that. I'm not training my listeners that this is an option i'm until it's there yeah i'm not going out of my way to 
what I'm trying to figure out though is what I got to start doing is thinking about that audience and say, all right, if you're listening to the live stream, um, are you also subscribing? I mean, you know, maybe try to get some metric data, you know, all that small micro audience. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not. Is this two different, two different audiences or is it the same audience? I don't know. It's hard to, to say for sure. I think, um, I think audiences do fragment like that to some percentage. I mean, I, it's hard to say what that percentage is, but um, it does seem like some people like to gravitate towards the, the live and having that kind of ability to have a conversation with the show while it's live. Um, yeah. It definitely is, is compelling. I know I'm, I'm working with a couple of shows on Spreaker that um, have gone from just totally live to making their live show a podcast. And now they've moved over to be on syndicated radio hmm. and they, they've had huge success as a live show on the internet, but then they went from the internet to radio and now they're doing both. They're, they're, they're doing live on the, on Spreaker as well as live through a radio syndicator. I think they're on like 25 radio stations right now. Are they paying or are they, how are they actually getting picked up and not having to pay for the airtime? I'm pretty sure I haven't talked to him about his financial relationship with this, but my guess is that he's probably having to, to pay something as a buffer against advertising sales. And then probably as the advertising sales, if they're able to sell the show, uh, right. will probably pay for that. So um, yeah, I haven't talked to him. It's, it's, it's basically the guy that hosts the, the sci-fi TV series, um, Ghost Hunters, mm. Jason Hawes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's called uh, um, uh, oh, what's the name of it? I'm just trying to blank out. It's like Unreality Radio, or I, I can't remember. I'm just trying to blank on the name of it right now. Um, but but yeah, I mean he's the host of the of a ten year long running TV show on sci-fi, and he's when he does his live show, he gets, he gets like maybe six to 10,000 people That's on, amazing. on his show and we'll get um, about that same amount of comments in his comment thread. I mean, we had to, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but we had to up our commenting thread um, platform on Spreaker to support this show uh, because these guys were getting, you know, six to 10,000 comments while, while they were doing a, it's basically a two and a half, three hour live show. Right. And just un unbelievable, you know, conversations that are happening around people listening to the show. It's very, very social. And, and I guess that's what the syndicator saw and, and wanted to pick them up. I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, it's beyond reality radio. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it or not, but my next door neighbor is like, got their TV turned it decibel 100. Oh, I can't hear it. Oh, good. I can. It's annoying. I would imagine. <laughs> Well, I mean, you even have headphones on, so you should be able to have some of that blocked out. Yeah, they're they're not cupped. They're oh, just, okay, just sitting against your yeah. Anyways, but, for those of you watching, I'm I didn't charge the headset, so I'm charging as we're talking. So I guess the bottom line is is that if you've got you know if you've got a following of passionate people that I mean I I think that's probably not a good example the whole Jason Hawson thing somewhat mm -hmm. because he's had ten years of being on network television or 
cable television, actually. Right. Um, which has built a following for what he's doing far beyond what most people have access to, I think. But there was, I know you were a little bit irritated with a specific article that came out in, but was it medium or some yeah, website? Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh my God, what are these people doing? You know, well, who's, who's just, writing these? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's the same thing that we've been talking about repeatedly for, for a few months now. It's, it's this, uh, you know, fast and loose with the facts, you know? Um, and yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's basically analyzing the podcast Renaissance. You know, this is this <laughs> article and it's like just the headline itself is kind of, um, missing the point. Um, but you know, things like he says, podcasting started in 2005, uh, you know, things like that, that are just not accurate. Right. And, and it's so easy to find out what the accurate things are and then basing the success or not of podcasting on the, the growth of Google's search terms for the word podcast. That's his gauge on whether or not there's a renaissance happening. <laughs> and, and, and I think, uh, Ray Ortega made a comment about that saying that, uh, if you did the same query in Google for the term, uh, I think is the web or the internet or something. the internet or something like that, it's on a decline. <laughs> so, so I guess it's, it's, I don't know. It, it just, the perceptions that, that some people have in this space, um, and their, their numbers. I mean, I, I saw one article that came out and said that there is, um, uh, it's not this article that came out said that, that there was like, a, uh, was it 75,000 or 150,000 podcasts out there? Um, that's, that's my next thing that I'm asked Angelo to start digging in the database. I've asked him to, um, tell me how many active shows have produced a podcast episode within the last 30 days. Yeah, and then thirty, sixteen, ninety. You know, get an idea of, you know, what the. Tr I, I have a sense of what it is because we've run some rough stuff before, but <clears throat> I want an exact. I want to know, you know, down to the, down to the, you know, single digit. What, how many active shows they are. Then I want to look at, because um, some of these queries are pretty complicated to run because it's really based upon episode dates and everything else. So you know, I want to see. You know, of the 325 or 330,000 shows that we have listed on Blueberry, I want to see how many of those are just dead. How many yeah. of those have, you know, they haven't produced an episode in like 365 days or something to that effect. I, I don't know. What do you consider pod faded? 90 days? What what's a, what's, what's a good number? I'd say probably, yeah, 90 to, you know, like between maybe maybe three months maybe. Max? I would think if someone hasn't Two produced a show, months. if someone hasn't produced a show in ninety days, yeah. they're pretty much pod faded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's what we'll look at. We'll look at the number of pod faded shows. I think those numbers are going to be shocking. Yeah, I think they're they're and, pretty high. Yeah. And I and I'm actually worried that it's not news people are going to want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm also lo- looking at that article I was talking about that um, the medium article that I put in the uh, the comment thread there, and, and one of the main headings of this article is. Uh, it talks about previous attempts. The perfect podcast platform ha- has been attempted before. In fact, Ev Williams, before going on to found Twitter and Medium, worked on Odeo, the podcast creation and consumption platform. So he's basically claiming that that, that was the, the perfect podcast platform had been attempted before. That's funny. Um, and it's like... Then he also talks about Audible, known for being one of the largest audiobook providers, also re- recently started bringing on new original podcast content to its podcast. Except it's not content. It's not podcasted. Yeah. You can't so subscribe to it. Well, you know, but 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 it does raise a, a point. Audible <laughs> has been putting themselves out there as a podcasting creation platform. And they've been kind of, you know, I've been a little critical of them. They've been walking that line. And saying that they're a podcasting creation, they've been speaking at podcast conferences. They've been um, advertising or sponsoring podcast events, and that's that. That's the impression that they're giving out there is that they're a podcasting creation, right? Now. And it's just not. It's just not really true. I guess we have to expand the definition of what a podcast is. Now it it's it's it can be any audio content that includes being behind a proprietary firewall um, that can be linked up with, you know, is now audiobooks podcasting, you know, is like, uh, you know, on, on demand comedy albums that are available behind firewalls. Is that now considered podcasting? You know, I think those are questions that, that need to be answered and clarified. Because there's a lot of people getting confused on this. That's true. Or trying to jump on the publicity bandwagon and not actually, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I hate to say, but on-demand audiobooks are not a hot topic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, you know, some of the early, you know, you go back to the beginning, there was uh, groups that were doing audiobooks as podcasts. Yeah. And they were very audiobooks. Yeah. yeah, audiobooks, you know, but they were approaching it as a podcast. They they weren't putting it behind a firewall, you know. Right. There's been authors that have been that have done this a lot. You don't have to put it behind a firewall to make money from it. You can put it out for free, as well as put it out on a paid platform. Because oftentimes the people that are using the paid platform don't know about the podcast. So yep. You're, you're reaching different users typically. Um, you know, I tell people that all, all the time because they think that they, they have to either be free or paid. And I say, no, you just do both. <laughs> and you can do it both at the same time and still, and still achieve some success because people will pay for it on a paid platform, even though it's free. Right. They may not be using iTunes podcast app <laughs> or right. even know how it works. So did you hear about Phonic and their speech recognition service? Uh-uh. Yeah. No, I didn't hear so, about it. What did you hear? So I didn't realize initially, but I use a Phonic. I use their software. It's fabulous. It's leveling service. It's a leveling. It levels the audio to the minus 16 LUFS or whatever their 
any of the technical standard. And um, so when they announced that they were going to be putting in um, speak, uh, basically speech recognitions into the application where it will create a transcript, um, I was pretty interested in that. So um, I thought it was going to, because they have a standalone software product and a online where you have to upload and do everything in the cloud. So I assumed that this uh, speech recognition was only going to be in the cloud. But I heard a rumor um, from a pretty good source that the speech recognition service is going to be built into the uh, the engine is going to be built into the software as well, the standalone software. Uh-oh. So this could prove interesting. Now, um, so how does that software work? Is it a client software that you load or something, or is it? They're using two different engines. They're using, and there's some that are publicly available. Um, they're open source. There's one from Google. You know, you can license. Uh, you know, you go to you can go to Intel and license their uh, uh, speech recognition service. Um, there's a variety of companies that have had these for a number of years, and they're pretty good. Um, so they've they either licensed or, but they apparently they're using two different engines. Um, that's my understanding. Let's see if I can actually see what they, because they talked about it. Um, they're using the Google Cloud Speech API. And they're using the WIT.AI. Uh, what is that? That is the, um, again, I think this is an open source speech recognition uh, type service. But uh, I don't know if you have to pay for the Google Speech API or not, or if it's free. Yeah, you can try it for free, but I think you have to pay for <clears throat> so how would you use it uh, you well just, here's i run it while you're doing your show and it creates a transcription Is that no i think it's done in post in post okay. yeah but here's the here's the trick even though we're talking and providing a lot of content that would be valuable to google um there's not a lot of context to it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we just talked about, uh, or I just talked about a phonic. I talked about the uh, Google Cloud platform. I, and so unless you can go back into that transcript and then link where I have talked about and provide some context, um, there's not a lot of, Value. Matter of fact, you can get penalized, and the the speech recognition people do not like this to be said. Is that if you just take the transcript and you put that someplace in your, let's say you append it to your show notes, mm-hmm. you can actually hurt yourself from Google search because they just see a bunch of it's just a bunch of text. Yeah, and the and number no of, context and link, you know, and 
and kind of link references there, right? So what they and there's and unless you've formatted it and done everything you need to make it look like it's For actual example. data versus stuffing because they'll think yeah. it's text stuffing. Uh, they can penalize you for that on page rank, and you can end up lower. So uh, my advice is if you want to have a transcript of your show, um, that you put that in a PDF, make sure you format it, and provide it as a link on your website uh, to be able to be accessed. I would never embed on my personal website. I would never embed a transcript. And for God's sake, don't hide it. Don't put it in your blog post and then hide the text. Um, oh, that's, yeah. that's a trick. Some folks oh, yeah. do. Yeah. With like white, white letters on a white background. Right. Yeah. Or white characters. Yeah, yeah. Because you will get, you, oh, you yeah. will get slammed. Yeah. That's a spam technique going way, 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 way back. Way, way back. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that was. That, yeah. That's, that was a technique that early SEO consultants were pushing out there was putting a bunch of keywords at the bottom of a page with the same color as the yeah. background. Yeah. Another ironic thing that was announced by Google this week or maybe last week was that I have this big pet peeve. If I land on a person or this happens a lot, I go to a podcaster's page. I'm kind of looking around at the, on the page and I get a big pop-up say, sign up oh, for yeah. my newsletter. Yep. It just drives me batshit crazy when I, and I usually just close the the tab. I don't go any further. Um, it's especially bad on a mobile browser. I mean, those, uh, yeah. I'm trying to get to know you. I'm trying to check out your content. I'm trying to see if you're worthy of my time and trust. And yep. you do this big pop up in front of me. And I know some people use lead pages and everything else, but some people try to get you on the way out. If they see the if the um, web page detects the mouse moving towards the close tab and they have that type of you know detection technology and then throws up a you know trying to get me on the way out it's even worse so Google's basically dead and they've listed the rules starting in January if you have an over aggressive pop-up they are going to hammer you they're going to hammer your page rank uh, first, the spam, spammy techniques. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, that will, you know, so some of these folks, some of these podcasters that are doing this, and it's not, not only podcasters, it's web marketeers and everyone else, but they are going to have to really be careful on how they implement those pop ups. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the pop-ups either. I think it needs to be something. I mean, it, I can see the reason Me people too. want want to build their their mailing list to be able to reach the folk, the people that want to because there's really not a lot of other ways of being able to to regularly reach out to people that want to follow you. Yeah, I do it in my show. I tell people in my show where to go sign up for the the newsletter, but my mailing list is much different than most podcasters. I just send out the the show notes. I don't send out a yeah. um, like a marketing letter. Yeah, I'm, we're marketed to enough. You know, I don't need to make my audience the product. I'm providing the product to my audience, and I understand some podcasters do it differently. But 
where their show is the promotion for their products and services that they're you bet. but um i think that's all i kind of had and stuff that i had found um in the news per se i don't know if you'd found anything else well i, I mean i think there's other stuff going on out there um but I did want to mention really quick fire talk because we're on that yeah. platform today and, and it's, you know, we spent a lot of time on blab, I guess maybe it would be interesting to talk a little bit about how we, what, what our perception of fire talk is. Well, you know, besides our technical issues to get going this morning so far, it looks pretty decent. Um, They've got a screen sharing feature, so I can actually bring stuff up on the screen. I haven't attempted to do that yet. Mm -hmm. um, you can have as many as four people in. Oh, you can. Um, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> There's uh, a live chat area, and people can send you uh, gifts. I guess um, these gifts can be what what uh, yeah, I was looking. They're like little icons. It looks like. Oh, okay. <laughs> You but, can't you can't send a gift to yourself. I just tried that. Yeah. Um, but it's not obvious how you, as an audience member, would request to join one of these. No, you have to send the link. There's a sign-up page that you're supposed to promote. You let them know that there's a an event. You send them to the page, and they can sign up to be notified about the event. Um, okay. So it's you have to, you know, you're gonna have to do the social media promotion of the of the specific event, but each event, what I, what I was expecting was, was to have a specific link to an event, but it's not, it's all, everything is done underneath a single URL, which is actually better yeah. uh, because we can promote just the, uh, this single link. There's not a new link every week. Oh, I don't know good. if we're going to be using this a lot, but you know, that link, is where every episode or every show will be. I do like it that it has larger um, kind of video of us. Yeah. We're, we're not like these little square boxes. Um, that's definitely good. I'm sure that the boxes get smaller when you add more, more yep. people. And so. you can do a RTMP stream too. So you can, you don't have to use the webcams. You can actually do the event with a, Real cameras? Yeah. Yeah, with a switcher and everything. So um, we'll have to look at this as time goes on and see how it, you know, I'm in Vegas, so I wasn't at the studio today. And I'm trying two new services today. I'm trying, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Michael Butler from the Rock and Roll Geek Show. Oh. And oh, actually, I'm, we decided just to do a, a Skype interview. Um, I'm trying the... Uh, wow. Um, I've got my Mac with me, so I'm trying the eCam call recorder for Skype. That's what we're going to be recording on today um, to do the Skype inter to do the interview. I tried using Rogamiga Audio Hijack, but it was giving me this audio loop that I just couldn't overcome. Hey, try the the Speaker Studio for desktop sometime. Because it's uh, it's free, so oh. there's no charge for it, and then you just plug in Skype into it, and you can you can record right there. Hmm. Try I it sometime. Didn't know that. I'll have to try that. Uh -huh. Come back and give you my okay my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> my unbiased <Yeah>. opinion. 
<laughs> yeah, so you can actually play, you can play some sound, you know, some sounds, or if you have like intro or anything like that, it'll, those little buttons. In Does that the work for the PC or work for the Mac or both? Both. both. Oh. Yeah. And or also the- for, well, the Skype connection only works in Mac and PC. That's is there anything else besides Mac and PC? Well, we do <laughs> offer the same s- software on Android and iOS. Oh, 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 oh but it's yeah, not. Yeah. But but it doesn't connect with Skype. So. All right, someone's saying blogtv.ca launches less than a month. Save the URL. It's being launched by people of s- social casting over ten years. Hmm. So is that a little? Is that is that promotion by? So let's go look and look at the website. Social casting. That's an interesting phrase term. Down to a browser near you. Okay. Social so that's, that's coming from FireTalk? Yeah, they must be. They are. Oh, no, not a promotion. I couldn't care less. Just trying to. Oh, it must be someone that doesn't have an account. That's what um, I guess if you don't have an account, your show up is fire talk. All right. Oh, cool. okay. Well, create an account. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, oh. this site sucks. Anyone can spoof usernames. <laughs> oh, oh I see. I see. That's funny. Oh, you can be Rob Greenlee. That's cool. That's, oh, you can do that on a lot of chat. Yeah. Programs. Yeah. Unless they have like a like Tied a verification Twitter. program, kind of like what Twitter has. Yeah. So I did actually submit for verification on Twitter. I know you did it here recently. But yeah, I got approved too. So it doesn't seem like it's the the criteria is that difficult. But, but they're being picky. I know people that should have gotten approved that haven't. Picky? Would, what is there a basis for them being picky? I don't know. I, I got approved, and some other people didn't. I don't. I don't guys, know that being being famous is the criteria. No, no. I think it's just verifying that the person that requested it is but the actual. They, person. But they do. You know, I did. I, you know, I put links to all my stuff, so I think they, and, and they're not. You know, they're not verifying everyone. So, and again, I know a guy that's got a bigger and more, he's got a huge social presence. He has a, you know, a very active audience that uh, interacts with him, and they didn't approve him. So, I wonder if it, um, I don't know. I don't know either. They aren't really clear on, you know, I think the perception has been is that it's only been for famous people. Yeah. Celebrities or whatever, and I, when Twitter opened it up for anyone to submit like this, that that kind of I think took that a little bit off the yeah. table. I don't have a lot of followers. I, you know, from a Twitter standpoint, it's six or seven thousand. That's not that many. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, the problem I, with you know ahead. with Twitter and a lot of these platforms is that you can have a lot of followers, but. Um, there's a lot of people that buy their followers too True. Um, and up their numbers. You know, I, I've tried to build it totally organically Yeah. and not, not do that. I had to laugh. There was a, 
I saw something on Facebook. It was a podcast. Oh, yeah, it was a gal that's trying to get invited. Oh, she's trying to um, build cred so she can get um, uh, you know, recognition by the press agencies and get credentials and that kind of stuff because she was getting ready to go to an event and they were asking for her social numbers and all that and her social numbers weren't very high so she actually in a public facebook thread said uh, considering buying uh twitter followers and oh she got she got crucified because she's you know you know it's kind of off the cuff i'm thinking about doing this like it's you know most people that are buying twitter followers are like you know three o'clock in the morning they're they're uh, <laughs> they're uh, ordering uh, Twitter followers. They're not, uh, you know, it's not something they're publicly announcing. It's kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it is surprising to me sometimes the the number of followers that I see certain people have that it just I don't understand how they got that many. Well, and if you, you look at their interaction, a lot of it is too as you go back and then you know. Um, look at the type of responses they get to Twitter and what yeah. they're posting. And are they getting, you know, if someone has 50, 60, or 100,000, no matter what you say, a few people should respond. Yeah. You know, and if they're, if they're real people, but I think Twitter's done a, I don't know, I don't know how it works anymore, but I would think Twitter has been good at uh, cleaning out junk. I would at least hope they are. I, yeah. Junk from a from a user well, sample. You know, those scam accounts, you know, just oh, I get constantly um, pinged from those type of accounts. You know, um, I think that the ones that are happening more and more these days are the ones you know that are that are kind of not. not they just don't come across as very legitimate. Uh, there's a lot of young women that are in there that are oh on yeah. Facebook for sure yeah that are constantly trying to friend you or trying to get you to engage yeah. with them. I probably get ten of those a day, and it's real telltale. If you click on their profile, there'll be like three pictures. Yeah, and it's usually showing some cleavage or ass or something. There's something there that they're, you know, you know. Okay, I'm a 52 year old dude. I'm not going to have a 20 year old that's uh barren or boobs that are going to be uh, wanting to follow me. So yes, that's an instant. Uh, well, that, and plus you, you don't want to follow that because <laughs> then all your friends are going to see that you followed that too. <laughs> that's right. So it's not very smart. Yes. <laughs> and any, but it's amazing sometimes because I look at the profiles to make sure that they're, because, you know, if it, make sure it's a real person. Make sure they have, you know, a year or more of history in Facebook. Try to figure out who it is. And, and I'm amazing to see how many um, – <laughs> it's amazing to see how many um, people I know are following some of those accounts because it shows you in the corner who's followed. And if it's you – know, you see one of your friends, you're like – and I have sent messages to my buddy. Oh, I see you followed that hot chick that was a – you know, spam account. <laughs> yeah. You also see that a lot on the, uh, the Instagram platform too, or, uh, and you can see who your, your followers are liking pictures. Right. <laughs> you just have to be careful in these platforms. Uh, 
I mean, if you're kind of using them as a professional networking thing, which a lot of people are, uh, you just have to be careful what you do online. I think I was, um, I don't use Snapchat at all. My, my kids do. And I was, yeah, I have an account over there, but I never use it. So I was, uh, you know, I, had, someone had said, uh, one of my friends had sent me like five people to subscribe to because they do stories every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, okay. He definitely, his idea of following uh, individuals uh, in um, Snapchat is just a little different than mine. Um, I was trying to show you, let's see if it can get. Well, I keep hearing these comments about people about Snapchat, how horrible the, the user interface is. It's horrible. But it's, 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 but it's so popular. I'm trying to use it right now. Okay, here it is. All right. So here's one of the people that he um, suggested to me. It's, it's still loading. Their story's loading Um, in, in, it's really shows you how vain. Oh gosh. Okay. I must not have Wi-Fi turned on. I don't. All right. So let me, and I, I really, I don't know how much hope I have for our youth, but it's no better than these Facebook. Okay. So the one lady, let's see if I can show her. All she does is smile at the camera, shows food, um, you know, going to the gym. They live these lives. A couple of these follow, like, they have lives. It looks like lives like celebrities. And um, that's all they do. It looks like all they do. And it's so vain. It's sad. I mean, it's really sad. Okay. It's like they're. Their claim claim to fame is the fact that they've made some some videos. <sighs> this thing is horrible. It's just sitting here spinning, 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 and loading. So anyway, the it was pretty sad just seeing some of these profiles. Were I, I don't get it. I don't understand what the sense is. I guess guys go for it. They want to see these girls and their workout clothes or whatever and. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really, to me is it's, it's, it's all this thing is, is a big selfie platform. <laughs> oh. yeah. Maybe I'm just too old. Maybe I don't understand it, but so I, yeah, I don't, I mean, it, I totally see what you're saying too. It's, it's, it, everybody's just gone gaga over the kind of, kind of becoming a online celebrity. You yeah. Know? It's just, and that's your whole profession is trying trying to become and looking like a online celebrity. It's you know here of course um, when I'm in Vegas I usually stay downtown I don't stay on the strip, and uh, you know Fremont Street is always pretty entertaining from the folks that are, uh, um, you know from uh you know weirdos and doing their you know they have little areas where people can set up and. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the number of dudes walking around in G strings on, you know, on Fremont street. And these are the, you do, I always say those types of folks would probably be big, cele- big, uh, uh, big followings on uh, Snapchat because they're willing to do outrageous things 
to yeah. uh, to get attention. Um, but you're not going to see my butt show my pictures off wearing a G string. <laughs> <laughs> hey Todd, I, I just uh, hopped over to podcasternews.com and I saw some articles in that. I don't know if you've yeah, I saw a couple. Jen is is posting stuff over there. Yeah. Uh, Podbean's launching a Podbean advertising marketplace. So are they uh, trying to do some programmatic stuff? Is that what they're doing? They've had, they've had a, this isn't, I, you know, I think they are making a push. I know that this is not necessarily new news, but um, yeah. suppose it's a service designed to, to help podcasters advertise to connect. Uh, I don't know what type of revenue share or anything like that they have got going on over there. Mm-hmm. But um, those Chinese programmers are busy at Podbean uh, putting stuff together. So uh, it looks like what what they're doing is uh, you can create an ad campaign. So it's for advertisers uh, as well. They come in there, create a campaign. Uh, you provide you know some information about your product or service to promote, and your target audience and your CPM range. And then uh, you invite your favorite podcasts into that. And you review the shows that are, uh, I guess, wanting to work with that campaign. And you get an agreement in place, and then you execute the uh, the, the, the advertising agreement. That, uh, in th- that works when you're doing face-to-face. I'm just... Wondering if, you know, that's the process I go through, Um, you know, talking with media buyers. I just don't know how many media buyers are going to be willing to do do a deal like that without talking to someone. Um, We're not quite to the point where I think that uh, they're, you know, uh, advertisers are going to buy podcast advertising like they do banners. That's the goal. That's what they want to do there. So it does show in here a screenshot of um, they are tracking pre-roll, mid-roll, price per episode, estimated episodes, estimated total cost. So, (laughs) And they're tracking forecasted downloads per show. Wow. Sounds like they've been listening to this show. Yeah, and their <laughs> their pre roll is looks like a twenty dollars CPM, and their mid roll is fifteen dollars. Oh, wow, which is completely opposite. The pre roll is less valuable than the mid roll. It should be, yeah. Yeah, They've, but they are they are presenting it as less valuable. That's stupid. Interesting, huh? Yeah. The the, the pre roll is actually worth a lot less than the mid roll. Yeah. By yeah. maybe half. Yeah, and you shouldn't really even do much of a pre-roll. You should, you know, I mean, if you really want to do it right, in my view, is just do a brand mention. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's a few people that do a pre-roll good, but yeah. not many. <coughs> yeah. But that's that's what Podbean's doing. It's interesting that they're they've chosen to move that direction mm-hmm. with their platform. Which I guess makes sense. So there's a group that's building a podcast app, and they're doing a podcast about building the podcast app. 
called Building Netcast. Yeah, I saw Excuse it. Next, next, any, next, cast. Next, next cast. Yeah. There's no T in there. It's next. Yeah, cast. N-E-X. Yeah, next cast. So, um, There's so, probably a lot of confusion when people say that name. Yep, yep. That was because the other domain wasn't available. Yeah, makes sense. And so what exactly are they doing is a podcast app and platform that wants to make podcasting better for everyone. They are, whatever that means, they are sharing their journey in the form of a podcast as they are building Nextcast itself. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like another kind of like the startup, uh, yeah. startup thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then yeah, below cool. that, I see an article in here that Jen wrote about Art19. Yep. And I think that was a re, I think she was a little behind um, talking about their yeah. deal with mid-roll. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. So. And then the, the podcast festival that Midroll's putting on. Oh, yeah. Now Hear This is happening October 28th through the 30th. And I believe that's in Anaheim as well, the same area that's going to have podcast movement. I wonder if it's going to be at the podcast movement's going to be at the Anah Anaheim Marriott as well as mm -hmm. this event. Interesting. Of course, podcast Mid-Atlantic's coming up. You're flying out for that, right? Yep. That's actually the... Uh, the ninth through the tenth, back in uh, South Philadelphia, North kind of Jersey area back there. Yeah. So if you're out on the East Coast and you're not doing anything next weekend, you definitely want to consider going to the uh, podcast Mid Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a, a fun event. Should be good. And I apologize for coughing in everybody's ear on this show. <laughs> A okay, little bit of dry mouth going on here today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too many Jack and Cokes last night. Yeah. That, that actually, never happens in Vegas. Actually, at 8 a.m. when the, my alarm went off, I was like, oh, why did I agree to do a show with Rob today? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the pattern has been that we don't usually get much live viewers on Sundays. Right. So, and that's kind of fulfilling itself here. Yeah. So, and I, so does this platform allow you to take this out of here and embed it I'm, into our live? We're, we're going to find out. <laughs> okay. I think so. Yeah. It, I saw something where the, uh, first two tests for processing or whatever that means. Uh, so we'll see what is available. And I'm sure if Dave Jackson was using it, you can ex get the audio on and video out of this. So it's a great Somehow. experiment or I'll have yeah. to come back in and replay it and capture the audio, which will be fun. So yeah. Rob, I don't really have anything more to, to go through unless you do. No, I think we're, I think it'd be a little shorter episode this week, and yep. but that's okay. It's coming into another holiday cycle, and oh, lots right. of people off off work this time of the year. Is it? Is this a well coming up on Labor Day, right? So yep, next weekend. Yep. Oh, so you're on travel. Wow, that kind of sucks. You're out 
for Labor Day, but or actually not, but or is it? Just prior to it, I think. <laughs> oh no, it's actually I think it's the, Friday, it's the week after. Oh. It's the oh, that's it's right. the week after. Yeah. Cause oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Labor Day is the fifth. The Mid Atlantic podcast conference is Nine, on ten. the ninth. Yeah. So that'll be a short week for you. Okay. Yes. Well, um, looking at the calendar here, today is the 27th. Uh, you, I should be available on the 3rd, so we should be out back on our regular schedule next week then. Yeah. So you just want to do it uh, with uh, Skype yeah. next week? Yep. Yeah. We've had good luck pushing to Facebook. Supposedly this can go to Facebook too, but I haven't figured out how to do it yet. So. Okay. But anyway, Rob, thanks for for jumping in here on Sunday. And those of you who have been watching, thanks for, for jumping on, uh, go over to newmediashow.com, subscribe to the show yeah. and, um, and catch us over there with all our other past episodes. Also definitely check out my new show, podcast legends at podcastlegends.com. That's off to gangbuster. I'm, I'm incredible. How many people have subscribed to that show in a week? <coughs> so that's great. Don. If I quit coughing on you, Rob, where can they find you? Uh, robgreenlee.com. They can also find me at, uh, my, my regular weekly show that I do the, the speaker live show, but it's just at speaker live show.com. And then, uh, on Twitter at Rob Greenlee is the other great place to engage with me. If you have a question or comment or you want to reach me or whatever, um, I, you can actually get my phone number and my email address right off of my, my, uh, Rob Greenlee with two E's, um, dot com website. And of course, you can get me at Geek News on Twitter or on Facebook or any place like that. Before I hack on everyone, we'll see you next time. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jeez.